Welcome to Paradox Walk Podcast, specializing in paranormal activity, UFOs, cryptids, anything completely out of the ordinary. Today's episode, we'll be going over stories of real vampires, collections of stories of people that have come across these things and lived to tell the tale and what they've said to them. A couple of them have... uh, spoken to them and said things and a couple theories on how they could be real and why today is the 12th of january of 2023 so the first thing i'm going to go over here it's a overview of a story from a book this is a 2009 book called real vampires night stalkers and creatures from the dark side this was covered by the beyond creepy channel one of my favorite channels of all time on youtube I mean, I don't want to like plagiarize the, uh, Mr. Black's work, but I'm just going to hit over on some of these points, these main points, and then I'm going to go over some stories, some extra stories that I've come across as well that kind of are similar and go hand in hand. So this starts off with Tampa, Florida, having a nightclub that kind of catered to the goth crowd, you know, the type of people that wear you know, like black eyeliner and stuff like that. The man's name is, I don't know if it's his real name, but he goes by Asrin and his girlfriend was Annie. And they both went to this club with one of their other friends or a couple other friends. So it starts off, they they go into this club. The club is called The Castle. This is from Asrin's point of view. He says that they're getting their drinks and he says an eerie feeling came over came over him. He began to sense that something was wrong. He found himself scanning around the bar for anything that might be causing him to feel this way. This is when he spotted a man of medium build amongst the crowd, and he began to follow him around the dance floor and in the social areas. And there was something about this individual that deeply disturbed Asrin. A feeling of overwhelming dread is how he kind of described it. Within a few minutes, he stopped and looked around he knew someone was stalking him. So he turns around. This is like his words. He deadlocked me and gave me an imposing grin. So with that, the individual nodded at Asrin, And then he turned and seemingly vanished right in front of his eyes. Asrin was so stunned that he took a step back. And he began to look around the room. And that's when he spotted him again, standing on the side of a huge screen that displayed videos. And that was being projected from across the room. And then this is his like explanation to move instantly from one side of the dance floor to the other was an impossible maneuver under the best of cir- circumstances, let alone amid a crowded partying drunkards and, and a dancing frenzy. So Asrin continued to follow him. The individual peered back at him, offering a notable look of annoyance. He rushed off into the crowd and Asrin again found him again on the other side of the bar at a table. He admits he was becoming obsessed with this individual. The sinister feelings he felt from him and the impossible way he seemed to move about the packed bar left him wanting to confront him, if only to understand what was going on. As I approached him, I felt an inner heat that I've never felt before, and an intense anger came over me. I stopped, and we made eye contact again. Annie was on to him as well. She was terrified, but I was curious. Asrin again lost him, and then he got the feeling that the individual was no longer inside the club. He immediately made for the door, headed down the stairs, into the lobby, and out onto the street. Asrin spotted him on a walkway, which was lined with a row of trees. As he approached him, he could see the individual's black clothes wavering, and then he disappeared once again, moving into the trees. 
As he continued down the trail, Asrin suddenly heard a voice that seemed to come from deep within. It had a sinister tone, and he couldn't help but feel a little spooked. It said to him, and this is his quote, Isn't it wonderful how the hunter becomes the hunted out here in the streets? And this is his other quote. He says, I broke out in a sweat, and it was the first time that I'd actually thought about what I was doing. But my curiosity got the best of me once again. The sound, although from within, came from above me. So he peered up into the trees, and that's when he spotted the figure. And then this is another quote. He heard another like voice say to him, Be advised not to see my face, he heard him say. We had deadlocked eye to eye twice, at least at this point. Yet I had no clear image of this creature's face. That struck me as odd. Asrin looked away briefly, and then when he looked back, the figure was gone. And then he looked towards the street where some preachers were standing. And this is when he heard something that chilled him to the bone. A voice deep inside of me felt more as a vibration than of an interpreted sound. Said This is what it said to him. Quote, you should be grateful that your blood is tainted, friend. Do not pursue this further. This will be your only warning. Perhaps we will meet again. I will always be able to find what has found me. Now leave me be. With that, Asrin felt an intense pain in his head. He likened it to his brain being squeezed like a sponge. He immediately collapsed to the ground. And one of the preachers, a man named Shane, picked him up and tried to take him to the river to give him some water. So the author, Brad Steiger, also spoke to Annie. She recalled that the figure had been watching them for quite some time before Asrin even noticed him. I saw him sitting by the window in the corner of the small room. With, the, with I was at the bar ordering amaretto, and Darcy was with me. I'm not sure why the man was so intrigued with us, but it was the, the strange way he looked at us. After Darcy and I got our shots, I glanced up and he was gone. I wasn't sure how he got by us without me noticing, because the bar was right next to the exit. Not long after, I remember Astron coming up to me and pointing him out in the other room, and that's when I told him I already knew about him. It seemed like he was always there one minute on the dance floor, and then the next minute at the window, and the next minute at the couch, couch at the corner, and so on. Yeah, to say I was shook up by him was an understatement. Annie understood very much that the type of people that frequented the, the castle, the goth type, vampire enthusiasts in general, assortment of rough-around-the-edges type of people, but this guy was different. He stood out as particularly creepy as... I'm far from judgmental, but that guy really got to me. His stare was piercing. You could almost feel it in the depth of your soul. So, eight months after this incident, remember what the voice in the head said. He said, you should be grateful that your blood is tainted, friend. What happened later on, this is Asrin talking now, about eight months after this incident, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So Asrin was certain that this was the what the figure meant when he told him that his blood was tainted. There was also two people were found murdered pretty close in proximity and in time to this incident So in the area. Uh, the papers, the newspapers, because in the 90s there was newspapers, reported that there were two girls murdered in, I guess it's called Yarbor City. That's in like the Tampa area. And I'm pretty confident that the thing I was trailing was the culprit. Asrin told this to Brad Steiger. So that's just one. Um, there's a couple more of these. So the the report goes on to mention that at that same club, the castle, there's been a, a report of a man meeting a woman on the on the balcony and he's like hitting on her. She's like really not interested in him. And she kind of describes the same thing. Like there's something odd about him. And and she is like letting him know like she's not interested. And and at some point like he's trying he like keeps trying and trying and she's like no I'm not interested and and 
he completely disappears. A comment below this, I believe it was this video, the, the last story I'm going to read revolves around New Orleans and Reno, Nevada, where these these clans like claim that they've like shifted to, uh, like they had a falling out and went to Reno, Nevada, I believe. Underneath that video is someone claiming that they were walking around New Orleans, I believe the French Quarter at night, and from an alleyway they hear a voice yell out, ooh, AB positive, my favorite, you're lucky that I've already fed tonight. And uh, the guy claims like, yes, that's my blood type. Like these things kind of have the ability not just to like kind of scan what type you are, but if if you have like a disease of the blood or not, then they don't want to mess with you. Weird, right? I don't know. It, I just find it odd also that whenever you search for like real stories, like you get like BS reports, History Channel, reality shows, National Geographic. They, they've like taken over these keyword searches. So your first like 150, 200 results is just BS stuff like reality shows and stuff. So you can't really look for these stories anymore. I believe that's done by design on purpose and it makes these stories even stranger to look at. Like, what do you think when you think of vampires? You think um, you have to invite them in, blah, 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 and can, you know, move around and like from one side of a room to another super fast. Like if you think of the movie interview with a vampire, like they could go from one place to another super fast. They're really strong, blah, blah, blah. And there seems to be some truth to the whole inviting thing. If you've looked into the black eyed kids phenomenon or black eyed people phenomenon, you know, the stories are so similar all the time where these kids knock on people's doors and ask to be let in. The more you look into like any of these like folklore for like supernatural things or paranormal things, there seems to be some truth to it. There's a couple of these stories. I'm not going to read through all of them, but the channel called Paranormal Roundtable, I've mentioned them a couple times on, on this. Um, their episode number 141 is called Night of the Vampire. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this girl and her dad or her stepdad, I think her stepdad was taking really good care of her and her half-brother after her mother died they were being like harassed by some entity or something that was pretending to be the mom that passed away and the dad was saying that he had he would have these like weird dreams and he got he awoken one night and he just thought it was like a really bad dream and then he said something was standing next to him that was kind of like the shape of his or his wife that died and it kept jumping on him trying to bite his neck and he had to fight this thing off and stuff like that and it I think it disappeared. They late, Later on, the daughter says that she saw it in her room, and she goes, Mom? Because it, it was taking the shape of the mom. And it turned around and, like, screamed and, like, flew through her. And she said she felt kind of, like, sick when it flew through her. And then, come to find out, her little brother, who was about seven or eight at the time, when all this stuff was going on, that there was a knock at the door one day. And this is what he said. He said there was a woman dressed up like a postal worker, like a mailman. And... Of course, it wasn't a real postal worker, and he and the little boy said it looked exactly like his mother, the one that passed away. The hair was pulled all the way back under a like a cap or a hat, postal worker's hat, and she had sunglasses on, and she said, can I come in? I need a drink of water. And the little boy thought, Mom, at first, and then after she walked in, he did a double take, and he was like, uh, yeah, come on in, and then she goes into the kitchen, and she just walks out the back door, and while he, while she took a few steps in, he said something like, Mom, and she was like, no, I'm not your mother. But it was only after she <laughs> she came inside that she, she said that, right? So she walks out the back door and disappears, and the kid runs after her, 
and there's nobody there and there's even a dog in the backyard and it didn't even bark or didn't do nothing so there's another story similar to that like these people were driving through texas and they they hit something on the road that was like crawling out crawling off it was like crawling out from the side of the road and they hit it with one of these old style like broncos and it seemed to i think he said it jumped on top of it and began to like wiggle the vehicle back and forth and so they pulled over to the side of the road and they found like weird scratches or something on it they got like weird claw marks and stuff well later on they had this bird and the bird died right when they right right after this and all the fish in the aquarium died their dog and cat both disappeared. And once again, there was this invitation. Their son, he was a little boy and a little girl. They had a son and daughter. And they opened the door and this really weird looking, pale looking guy dressed in a black suit. He asked if he could come in and talk to their mom and dad. And he said he was a police officer. So they let him in. Okay, once he walked in, he walked right back out and turned around the corner by the garage and he was gone. And so over the next several days, they started hearing like shrieking noises and like something like was wrong, like really wrong. In the middle of the night, something grabbed the little boy and shook him and woke him up. And he looked up and he saw this thing with like fangs trying to go to his neck and bite him. And the little girl had a dream that something bit her on the neck. Right after she had that dream, she goes to school and she passed out. And she said she got really, really sleepy in class. And that's another thing you hear with some of these stories. There's stories of people seeing like these, the old fashioned looking vampire. There's one of like where, you know, the old black and white movies where they have like the big ears and stuff. There's a story of uh, people that lived on a farm. Uh, they had one of these things come out, like somebody was digging out by like some big rocks and they hit this, it was almost like a sarcophagus, one of those old Egyptian stone things. And they opened it up and something flew out later on. It was at the window and the mom was in a trance and goes to the window like to open it up and let this thing in. And the rest of the family members like grab her like, no, no, don't let this thing in. Almost like hypnotize a person or something like that. I don't know if it's on episode 141 from Paranormal Roundtable, but he, I believe he has another vampire episode. I'm just going to kind of go from memory what this was, but where they kind of entranced the, the victim first to lure them somewhere. There was a story of a lady she just met this guy she didn't even know who he was and it was like a parking lot and it was like really isolated and he asked her to do something i don't know what it was but she walked with this guy at night in a parking lot he gets her to this like isolated area where like there was hardly anything around and she was like following him and he turns around at some point and she said that his his face just totally changed and he like did something where his like mouth elongated and all these teeth came out and she if i'm remembering this right his teeth elongated themselves like fangs where he was like changing right right before her very eyes and he was going to bite her is what she described like almost like right on her neck like just like typical vampire movie type of thing i think she started screaming and some, I think it's some military guys were walking nearby and they started coming over to like see, you know, to help her. And the story goes that this thing jumped up into the air. She did hear a car like really far away, just go like boom. And then when they went over by the car, it was like crushed. Like this thing f- jumped up so high that they couldn't even see it. And when it landed, it landed on the car and like ruined it. And I mean, there's a few things about that that just are just beyond comprehension. But one of them was who just goes walking with somebody that they don't even know who it is. Like, 
into an isolated area at night. So these things do seem to have some kind of like hypnotic pull over people apart from all the other all the other things they can seem to uh, do. One of the things that this guy brings up, Josh Turner, the, that runs that podcast, or well, used to. I don't think they do podcasts anymore. But one of the things that he looks for is like consistency in stories that, that numerous people say that don't know each other. So he was known for collecting stories, and when when somebody from another city that doesn't know you, doesn't know anybody, says that somebody like kind of you know changes their face, they have multiple teeth, they have an elongate, their mouth elongates, and they have like you know shape-shifting powers and stuff and then and then later on another person that they don't know each other says the same exact thing so he starts to piece together like there's something going there's something true to this like there's something going on like that one of my friends i would point out his channel and stuff but um i texted him and didn't get necessarily like permission to i don't know i i don't like talking about people without their permission on a show or whatever like this but um he pointed out these really interesting things from the the line of Cain or the story of Cain and Abel that I I believe has validation to it there's like these man there's about 10 points to make somebody believe that Cain might have been the first of these vampires or at least a, a big portion of the characteristics of a vampire it might come from Cain the first thing he brings up is when with the sacrifices and stuff like that that Cain and Abel the whole thing that kicked that off was a sacrifice to God and God didn't look upon Cain's sacrifice with favor because Cain brought things from the earth the earth like a few sentences before had just been cursed um Abel brought livestock like some kind of uh lamb or a cow or something to sacrifice to God. So Cain gets angry. Well, when you listen to what God says back to Cain, it's he's not talking to him like you would talk to a you know, a son or a grandson. He's talking to him almost like um like somebody that's a totally different like not even human or something or half human or like something that's not it it the words are just very unforgiving. There's no there's no sign of forgiveness or grace in any of any of the words. He just like kind of brings the hammer down on him. That's one thing. But after Cain kills Abel, then God announces a curse on Cain. The curse comes in the form of a couple things. One is um I don't have the verse right in front of me, but something about the food or the plants or tilling the ground like a gardener would isn't gonna produce for him like nutrition is going to be gone so where does somebody get nutrition if the ground isn't going to produce it for him anymore because later on in the same book the bible it mentions something along the lines of the blood is the energy of life or the blood is the life is in the blood so cain might have had to become like something like a blood drinker it's also possible that the next line has something to do with vampires too because the curse goes along the lines of everything in the curse kind of matches up with vampires the the other thing is he would become a vagabond in the land he would become something like a fugitive and all of these stories i didn't even get to the last story yet but all these stories of people coming across vampires they disappear they run away they get out of there they kill somebody and take off maybe um they're they have to hide you know they're they're like vagabonds like a like a fugitive they they can't be seen for very long they have to get in get out do whatever it is they have to do that's kind of like a fugitive or a vagabond 
Um, the other thing is, uh, Cain says, my pun punishment is too much for me to bear. And God says, well, what Cain says first is, anybody can kill me, which is another question. So it almost brings up the point of, it seems like the book of Genesis reads almost as if they're expecting you to have other text with you, because that makes totally no sense. Like, who is Cain afraid of? So far, it looks like the only thing that was mentioned was his parents and him that are left. So other books have mentioned other things, like there was other people. Some, some of these books, um, I don't know what it's called, but it mentions Lilith might have been the, f the mother of Cain. And other books suggest that whatever was in the garden in the first place might have slept with Eve to produce Cain. Um, I don't know. I, I don't even saying I, I don't even know what to think about any of this stuff. But all of these things match up. Putting a mark on Cain, so God's answer to that was putting a mark on Cain that it's, I'd have to look how it's worded, but it, it, it seems to like defend him from being killed by anybody. The other things that kind of line up with that, Cain gets sent out from the presence of the Lord. It, it doesn't say he just like leaves town and goes to this new town. It says the complete presence of the Lord. Other books like that book of Solomon, that's a uh, history of the Jews mentions that Cain's family line was underground some people think the, the land of Nod has to do with nodding off, like almost like a dream world or some kind of spirit realm. And there's not only video games that show Kane as the first vampire, but there is a movie called He Never Died that my friend had me watch. And it just kind of runs along this course. Like Kane goes like thousands and thousands of years living on the earth, drinking blood and and is in a modern day like metropolis which kind of goes hand in hand with this next story in a couple ways like this genetic line because at some point she asked about that to this thing that pretty much proved to her that he was a real vampire and he says it's a it's a genetic line it's not something like in some of the movies even though a lot of the stuff in the movies kind of seems to be true with what they're saying but he's like you can't make somebody a vampire you know, he's like it's a lot it's like a bloodline a genetic line and it, it's interesting so check this one out this this comes from that video the paranormal roundtable episode 141 like towards the end this is the story she claims she's from nevada she meets a guy in reno online he's telling her he's a vampire she wants to meet him and she has like cameras and stuff what he ends up telling her is that he's part of a vampire clan, they, that they all live in Reno, Nevada. And they had all these conversations, and it kind of turned into more of a cyber romance. So she goes to meet this guy, and it got weirder than she could have ever imagined, she says. So she's a photographer, so she brings all her photography equipment, and he says, I challenge you to photograph me. She says, okay. He had all these pictures of himself online, but when she meets him, he's, she says he looks different than the pictures, and she said he was actually way better looking in real life than in the pictures. And she is just totally smitten with him. She's like, she, even though it was a different person or whatever, she, she was really into this guy. And she ends up going and hanging out with this guy at his apartment like every day. And she tries to video him and nothing ever comes up. And she's telling him like, oh, that's got to be some trick or something. What are you doing? And he's like, well, try to photograph me. And she keeps doing it. It keeps coming out blurry. And he's telling her, you can't do it. So after a couple of days of them hanging out, she said that she was like, it was like a whirlwind relationship. She was like, I'm in love with this guy. You know, I, I would have jumped off a building for him. You know, she's hanging in there 
It was like she was hypnotized or something, it sounds like. So this is what he tells her when she's trying to get the story from him. He says his clan is from the south, and he says southeast. And he's trying to kind of make it vague, but she figures out it's New Orleans. And then he ends up telling her there's a whole bunch of us down there in New Orleans. And they come up there because they want to do their own thing. And they had some falling out with some of the leaders. He began to tell her everything about vampires. And she's like, oh, well, this is so cool. You can do all these things. And she's like, I want to be one. And he said, you can't become one. It's not something that you can become. It's a bloodline. And so that's what he tells her. He says, I can infect you and make you a slave, but you can't become one of us. And then one day he, he tells her, do you want to see what I really look like? And she was like kind of scared or whatever, but she's like, uh, yes. Yeah. So, so go ahead and show me. He says to look in the mirror and she looks in the mirror and she sees this like hideous demonic looking creature. She says that she couldn't even imagine it. And she said that you could see like all these lines through it, like through his cheeks and there were like lines and you could see the teeth inside of his mouth and he peeled his bottom lip and top lip back and all these rows of teeth popped out and his mouth like elongated and it came out like a snake and then, and she starts screaming and then he popped back to his regular form. He goes, uh, have you had enough yet? And then she was just like, she just got out of there. She ran out of there all scared. And she said that when she, when he, when he grabbed her arm to like stop her or whatever, like he was cold. And she said that the whole room got cold and it was like um, she could hear like whispering from other rooms. And uh, he ended up telling her one of the things that they have the ability to do is like cloak themselves and become invisible and things like that. And so she thought that there was probably even more of them around like standing there watching so she was like terrified but he like let her go or whatever and she got to her car and she said her legs and her arms were shaking she's trying to put the key into the car and when she was about to pull like she finally got the car going she was about to pull the car out a female comes out of nowhere and like slams her hands on the windshield and she was just like screaming into the window and through the window and she and she looked at this woman and, and the woman's eyes were like sunk back into her head and she had these weird looking teeth just like him and she drove out of there uh, and like pretty much ran right through the woman. And the woman didn't even like, didn't even hurt her. She just flew up into the air. Like she didn't see where she went. And she drove out of there and never talked to the guy again. But I would love to find out what extra stuff he told her. Because that's like definitely not, you know, anything. But so that's kind of weird. But so that's another thing. Like the guy says it's like a bloodline thing. And so that might be one of the things that the movies get wrong, you know? Pretty wild stuff, right? So I'd like to thank everybody for checking out the podcast. I'd like to thank my first Patreon, Roxy. You can put the RSS feed into your favorite app that gets you podcasts. And I am podcasting on Pandora, Amazon, Spotify, um, BitChute, and YouTube. The music is Downbeat88. The opening track is called The Dark. The ending track is called Moment of Peace. And I hope you guys are doing good. And talk to you soon.